0: At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Whether you seek adventure, search for answers, break down barriers, or
1: see the world for what it can be, you're just what we're looking for. CIA is searching for women of all skill sets to join the Directorate of Operations and help protect our nation. Visit cia.gov slash careers.
2: Celtic State of Mind, it's Friday. My name is Laura Bradburn and I'm joined as always by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony?
1: I'm very well, Laura.
2: Yourself? Not too bad. A bit of a rush there. I was running late, as I told you, before I was having some technical difficulties. Turns out, guys, if you don't remember to plug in your headphones, you can't hear anything, so remember to do that before uh, before getting started. (laughs) Jim, how are you doing?
3: Good, Laura. Thank you.
2: I was expecting us to come on today and have some pretty big news to break but unfortunately uh it remains the case that nothing has happened we had a couple of tweets from Celtic just before we came on but unfortunately it was to do with the well not unfortunately but it was to do with the women's football and and that kind of thing I was expecting something bigger but uh we we wait in uh, hope rather than expectation but we'll move on to other things um guys I was talking to you last night when we were talking about getting the show started um, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about was um, Callum McGregor seems to have come to the fore a little bit for some some criticism, um, which we'll get into. I think it's probably the profile of it's been raised by Sending Off uh, last last week against Rangers. Um, but before we get into talking about him, Jim, Tony and I were on the, the post-match reaction. What did you make of the performance um, against Rangers last week?
3: Oh, I thought we started OK, and then everything changes halfway through the first half. I mean, Alan oh, McGregor makes a magnificent save, not for the first time this Scott Baines beaten by a, a goal from the guy's chest, ho-hum, mm-hmm. and then Carmack gets sent off. And so from then on, then you're thinking, this is just damage limitation. I was watching the game with one of my sons. And I said, if we can get it here, no more, no more than a three-goal defeat, that'll, that would do. would we score, and then we get got hope, and then we lose a dad. Goal again and only two one at half time. And you think, well, maybe we still got a chance. And then the Turnbull header, and then they score virtually next minute. And then I'm quite surprised they didn't go for it. I mean, there was still a good 30 minutes plus left. I'd have thought they'd have brought on three subs and really gone going for it because you know, I would have thought this could have been the last of the death by a thousand cuts. I'll get it in quickly this week.
2: Oh, uh, well, we're early you know, with that today. <laughs>
3: Because I thought um, I thought that would be the that would be the last one, you know, losing mm-hmm. five, six, seven, which which we which we could have last week. So that's over. And although we've only got two games left, I can't see us losing four or five nothing to the two teams that we've got left. But uh, I think if we'd have played that week with eleven on the park, I'd have been a bit more harsh on the team. But I think we are doing it. Ten men halfway through the first half playing against teams who are. Playing with confidence and momentum, etc. Et it was always a bit of a damage limitation. So, to get one, uh, f- fine. We move on. We move on. We move on. Tony.
2: 20... You know, did...
1: One thing I was just yes. going to say. I'm going to go on Norwegian commentator here. All right. John Kennedy, can you hear me? Ian Bankier, can you hear me? Peter Law, can you hear me? Dermot Desmond, can you hear me? Our boys took a hell of a beating. A hell of a beaten. It's on your watch. Don't ever let that happen again. It's
3: over to you to sort this mess out. End of. We move on. Well, also, also, still... just to come back in, also, Lawrence, yeah. come back in. That We sat here last Friday hoping that the team might look a wee bit different and that it plays certain players. Uh, so the team selection, you have to question that straight away. The substitution's bordered on bizarre, utterly and totally bizarre. Mikey Johnson coming on to play up front instead of Lee Griffiths. I just, so I thought maybe up to a couple of weeks ago, I think before the game, I thought John Kennedy was doing okay, incrementally a wee bit better each week. He was playing things safe, as I said before, that was quite risk averse. But the last, I mean, that just, there's so many bad decisions last Sunday and he should be nowhere near the, I mean, if there was any chance him getting the job, he should be no, nowhere near the job after last Sunday.
2: Yeah, Tony, you've said yourself. If John Kennedy's gets good coaching skills, then he's keeping them well hidden. Um, but to come back to you on the point that the raised, that it, it was something that I don't, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. But you know, the Turnbull header and and that being a chance that looked so bang on for for a goal, um, ending up being missed. You know, it was a bit of a turning point in the game. Do you think maybe it was? Is it wishful thinking to say that, you know, perhaps if that goes in, the, the game turns out entirely differently? Or, or was it always likely that we were going to sort of crumble in the end, do you think? Yeah,
1: I think it's wishful thinking. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, Tumbles, Mr Sitter. It should be two each. It wasn't. We get cuffed. Mm. You know what I mean? End of. I just, it's like, you know, you can see here ifs and buts and maybes of calendars and slide in front of the referee. Two minutes after, not long after he's been booked, you have my decision, he, stayed, he would have stayed in the park. You know, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, it's a big moment in the game and he's missed it. And so, and then you take your medicine, you take your dumps. You know, at this moment in time, they are better than Celtic. Steven Gerrard has the hex on... He had the hex on Lenny and he had the hex on, on Kennedy. And as we shared last week, Jim just mentioned it there, we spoke about certain personnel that we wanted to see in that team and he played right into Rangers' hands and I said it on the Monday podcast when, when Gerrard saw that team he must have just been rubbing his hands and as Jim says I'm, I'm surprised as well that they didn't go for it because mm-hmm. Celtic were there for a, a, a tanking after mm-hmm. Kennedy, uh, Kennedy uh, Cal Mack got sent off so like Jim I was pleased that it didn't go five, six, seven. There's, there's, sorry, 7 there
3: was no question the best team won do an issue with that at all. But if the tumble header goes in, I'm thinking we're not going to get it doing. I don't think we'd win the game. We won't get it doing. But when it doesn't go in and they score straight away, you're thinking we should get it doing here. So four that ones, a heavy defeat. I'm so not It was a heavy defeat. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. A temporary respite if the tumble header
1: goes in, possibly. But aye, aye. I,
3: aye.
1: We move you know, on. Yeah, we move on. Yes, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for the. We move on.
2: I'm on the wee move, this. Um, Jim, yeah. I, I'll get your thoughts. We've talked a bit about it about how much of a turning point it was. The Callum McGregor uh, sending off, you know, you, you see the same old things come out um, when people talk about it. He's not that kind of player. He's not, you know. But but you know, it, it was shocking to me that, um, regardless of whether they were bookings or not, that the that he gave the the referee the decisions to make. Um, what was your reaction when it when you saw that he was it was being sent off? Did you did you expect it when the second challenge went in, or or were you were you shocked that that was the outcome?
3: Uh, that 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 phrase gave it a, a decision. The first person I heard use that phrase was Gordon Strachan uh, when Alan Thompson gets sent off for Ibrox. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of time for Gordon Strachan. He's one of the few pundits I would actually listen to, and I think um gave him a decision to make, uh, and I think it was a yellow card defence, and hey-ho, I think, I mean, I I was surprised that he booked a Rangers player so early on, giving him the yellow card, you know, I mean, I I don't think there was much in that as well, but having given that yellow card, uh, the first Carl McGregor yellow card was definitely merited, and then that one as well, I wasn't too sure about the rules, there was some stuff in social media about, there's a new rule that, you know, that if, a goal is scored after that, you book the player, but I think that's wrong as well. So there's a bit of confusion uh, on the rules, but I think there were two yellow card offences and if that is the rules, then that's the rules and, and uh, no complaints.
2: Yeah. Tony, have you seen anything like that about the rules? I, 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 I recognise what Jim's saying and I heard a lot of people saying, you know, that the referee was wrong to book um, McGregor because you apparently you shouldn't you shouldn't book a player if you play advantage. Now, to me, that was never my understanding of the rule. Because if that was the case, mm. advantage wouldn't be a thing. You would just, you know, you yeah. would just either stop the playing book the player, or you, or you wouldn't do it at all. So, did you see anything, any clarification on what the actual, you know, the, the confusion is around that?
1: My, my understanding was the same as yours, and then when I saw all this appear on social media, I get even more confused. Mm. Right, but mm. I, I, this was the referee's first. Uh, mm the Celtic game, so, you know, he, as Jim said, he, he he stamped his authority early doors with that early red card. You know, so, when when you see that, when you see a referee does that so early, you know, I, I, I leave it down to the discipline and, the you know, of the players then. They mm-hmm. say, right, you know, you have to say, okay, that's the way it's going to be today. I need to watch myself. You need to read the room and the mood music and you know, and, and allow for the fact that it's the guy's first, uh, you know, big game. So I uh, I would have been, I wouldn't have been sliding in and diving in like that, especially after he's booked the first guy who's been involved in an elbow, I think it was. So mm-hmm. I just you take a deep breath and say, yourself, okay, I'm not getting away with anything here. I need to be at the top of my game, and I need to be disciplined. And I just think Carlin McGregor, it was a bit of ill discipline. Mm-hmm. Pexilence, call it what you like, stupidity, a brainstorm, because he did it right in front of him twice. Yeah. And I just think rules are, no, rules are no rules, you know what I mean? If, you, if and it's a kind of that stock phrase he gave the referee, but he did give the referee a decision to make, and in the referee's eyes, it was two yellow card defences, so he mm-hmm. has to go. You can argue the toss all day, but I just thought it was a bit reckless and stupid from Callum. No, what wasn't he like getting into do a player, but it was just you know it was it was stupidity basically.
2: Yeah, you know,
1: yeah I mean, I, I, can allow I, players for being stupid when the referee has come out and given an early an early yellow card and getting basically saying that's your warning shot, guys, behave.
3: Mm-hmm. I think also Laura, I think also Laura, there's been a lot of talk this season of Callum McGregor having to to do Scott Brown's job from time to time. You know, so yeah. I'm not exactly sure whether was that meant to be Scott Brown in that position and Carl McGregor's running about like headless chicken cover for things and you start yeah. to do that and you maybe Yeah, you maybe lose your focus on what you're meant to be doing and whatever. So maybe maybe that was a factor as well. Because I think you know people were talking about some of the stats in the game and you know, when you focus on Scott Brown you get turned so many times. So if you're Carl McGregor, you're maybe be thinking I need to cover for him more, well, maybe there's a wee bit of that, but two yellow cards, no complaints. Goes Maybe
1: back
3: to again. To
1: so about, <laughs> goes back to what you spoke about Friday then personnel. Scott Brown should probably not have played in that game. Yeah, you yep. probably could mm. do that, Laura. You yeah. talk about a, a decision probably taken on sentiment, which you spoke about, which there is no room for it, and Celtic paid the ultimate price for yeah. putting out the wrong team.
2: Yeah, well, just to, just yeah. to open up on on the discussion that's been had in the comments. We saw Alan Roberts in there and Brown Warrior here. He's been flat for three seasons, season took its toll, he's tired, he has played an awful lot of football and just before we talk a little bit more about McGregor, David Kelly on the YouTube comments and thanks everybody for your comments on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube, he's clarified for us the rules changed uh, as a player can't be given a direct red card for denying a goal scoring opportunity if advantage is played. Clamalla at St Johnston is a perfect example, hence uh, the yellow not a red so... You know, it was within the rules, according to what David Kelly's saying there, that because it was a second yellow, it was still allowed to be bookable. It would only have been if it was a straight red. But, um, we'll move oh, on sorry, to the that's comments. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll move on to the comments that came up on the screen there about McGregor. Now, just, um, before we came on today, I thought because we're going to be talking about Callum in a little bit more depth. I thought I would do a wee poll and I just said, uh, would Callum McGregor be a huge loss if he left this summer? Now, not a huge sample vote, but we ended up with nearly 700 votes on that. 63% said yes, he would be a huge loss. Uh, 23% said no and 14% said maybe. So there, there's a sizable chunk of people who aren't, either aren't sure or, or are pretty convinced that, that he, he wouldn't be a loss. Obviously the majority saying that he would be. Um, Tony, I'll come back to you first on this. He, he, I think he is still being selected somewhat on sentiment and things like that, but when you look at it as a whole, you can't help but understand that his level of of play or his tiredness or his fatigue or anything like that is going to go down. You know, Kieran Tierney and James Forrest would have played the same amount of games if it hadn't been for them being more injury prone. Callum McGregor's been fortunate that he hasn't been injured, but in that since he's then been played into the ground? Do you think he's been mismanaged during his time at the club that, that that things have turned out the way they have?
1: Without a doubt. This is a player who, under Brendan Nodgers, produced the best football of his career to date. And he regressed this season. But I think Callum McGregor... Yeah. Every every good player suffers a dip in form. Mm-hmm. Everybody picked him Callum McGregor this season because it was a season that meant so much. But that's just indicative and microcosmic of the malaise that's set in. with not just Karl and McGregor; the whole team. Mm-hmm. You know, you can label it the whole team, but because Mack, you expects so much, his bar was raised very, very high, and he slipped well below that. It was an easy target. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we've said it ourselves on this, we've discussed and and people were talking about, you know, he's never a captain, he's no leadership qualities. I, I, I said it myself, I didn't see it and and maybe possibly being unfair because there might be an issue, of burnout and it was Jim saying covering mm. for Scott Brown and things like that, you know. And, but we currently not expect so much from Karl McGregor, he would be a huge mess if he left the club and I just think maybe he does need a rest maybe he is suffering from burnout and maybe a new pair of eyes on Callum McGregor will get what Brendan Rodgers got out of him the best football of his Celtic career and if that man is Eddie Howe then you might be able
0: to transform him and do the same thing but someday This week on the Marketers Report Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on building trust
1: This is you from this season. Compare and contrast, and go through it and see what he says himself.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: because only Callum McGregor has the answers. But football fans expect; they always expect. And when people, players like Callum McGregor, don't deliver, they become an easy target. And I do feel for him because I think he is part of the malaise that has struck the club this season. And he's not alone. But mm-hmm. I, I do think he's one to be careful what you wish for. And he would be sad sadly yeah. badly missed. If, he, if And again, if he leaves an gate and hole in your team and in your midfield in particular. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with the 63% that say he would be missed if he leaves. And I, I personally wouldn't want him to leave. I just think mm-hmm. someone else could get the same kind of tune out of him as Brendan did. And maybe that's what he needs as well.
2: So Jim, as Tony's touching on there, there's a couple of like major issues, obviously the fact that he's been overplayed, the fact that he's possibly not been receiving the coaching at the level this season, or certainly not been receiving it at the level this season that he would have done previous. Um, what are your thoughts on his performances this season? Are people being overly critical, do you think, because we're just looking for somebody to blame, or do you think he has been poorer than, than, he, than he usually would be?
3: I think I'll use the old football phrase, form is temporary, class is permanent. He's a brilliant mm. player. I just echo Tony's sentiments. He's a brilliant player. You, you don't want to lose Callum McGregor. Uh, yeah. As Tony said, be careful what you wish for. He's a great player. He dictates the tempo of the game. You play him in the right position. Him and Turnbull, him and Turnbull are fantastic, could be a fantastic partnership. if played in the right positions, with the right tactics, with the right manager, etc., etc., this has been a dip this season. They've all dipped. I mean, you can pick a number of Celtic players who should be better. Look at someone like Shane Duffy. Shane Duffy should have been great this season, but he was hopeful, ho- hopeless. You know, so, as I say, I think he's a brilliant player, Carl McGregor. And easily, I mean, if you, if you take out this season, he's only over that three seasons before that, or the four seasons before that, I'm getting mixed up with COVID, easily the most consistent player over that yeah. period. Uh, he may not be captain material. I get that, but... Uh, no, that was just my not a big issue. General, you know, I... No, sorry, sorry, I mean I mean that that wasn't a big issue in the scheme of things. I think uh, for me I'd be looking for a different type of captain. I just let like Callum McGregor play his game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's a fantastic player. Can't Pretty be bad. bad. And in terms of this season, I mean everyone has been poor this season. And I think mm-hmm. I'm not going to use that phrase again, but everything that could have gone wrong has went wrong and, and it must be hard for guys like him because they've, they've known so much success over the past few years and it's just it just imploded so many bad decisions you know and, and he's in there and, and I felt really sorry for him because there was there was the game which I can't remember was it the Livingston game or the Hibs game they interviewed after the, for the final one so they virtually said we've got no idea what we're doing yeah you know, I think I, feel,
2: yeah, I, feel I, I can't Florida remember which
3: one yeah. having to face yeah. the camera had to face the camera and he was dead honest and he was saying look <laughs> we've no idea what we're doing here now, if you're used to a different type of manager, who's quite specific in what you do and how you do it, and all of a sudden you've been told just go in the park and do what you can, mm-hmm. if it doesn't go well, uh, I'm actually quite surprised he's still here. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he went because I think he's a great player uh, and he would do well for any team down south. Maybe not a top six team. Mm-hmm. Maybe I suppose Leicester are a top six team these days, but you know We're anything that Brendan
1: sorry, admires Tony. him a lot. Brendan admires him Aye. a lot, so you know. I, I, I think I any would team. Brace yourself for that happening in the summer, possibly. You know. I'm, right. I'm just
2: that's, wondering. That's ah, a fantastic
3: player. Yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I'm just. I'm just wondering. Looking at um, Bronze Grove boy on Twitter, has commented, "Cal needs to revert and be played twenty yards further forward." Part player, part yeah. management. Um, I think Tony. And this is not to this is not to come down too hard on Scott Brown as I um want to do at times, but there there there's a suggestion there perhaps that, you know, looking at the way Scott Brown played on, on uh against Rangers last week, he's he's lost a lot of mobility, as is as is the case with anybody um reaching their mid thirties. Do you think Callum McGregor's suffering perhaps from a little bit having to carry the can for too many other players this season and he's not able to do what he does best?
1: without a doubt but we were told Scott Brown was finished when Brendan Rodgers walked in the door Brendan Rodgers got a fantastic tune out of him yeah. but to you Jim and myself you knew Scott Brown's tenure as a footballer was coming at to an end and he should have played a big part this season as mm-hmm. much as you've touched yeah. upon it. But the sentiment thing it has got no part in football his legs had gone really when you saw him Great squad player, great influence mm-hmm. to have around. Kept him, I would have kept him for that. Solely just for for that, you know. But as a footballer his legs had gone, you know, and it showed on Sunday because he gets skinned so many, many times. Mm-hmm. and Possibly Callum gets sent off because of it, and he's been doing that all season. And it only kind of steadied itself a wee bit when Turnbull came into the team and Sorrow came in, and mm-hmm. Callum looked a bit more, you know, comfortable. 'Cause he had legs and runners round about him and guys and and that's not I'm not bashing or baiting Scott Brown. I'm just saying every footballer comes to the end of the race. You know? Yeah, their, legs, yeah. their legs go the brain goes a wee bit and Scott Brown was just an aging footballer in terms of football and was slowing down. So but I'm only a supporter. You know what I mean? But I can see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how how can coaches that work with these guys every day yep. do all sorts of bleep tests or whatever you want to call them, or, you know, fitness stuff, not see that, that this guy was, this was the end of an era, basically. And and all that affected Carlo McGregor badly. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think he tried to take on that mantle. And as I say, he became a target. Because the bar that he'd set so high, as Jim said, he is a, he's a fantastically talented and gifted footballer, Callum mm-hmm. McGregor. I think I've seen him do something wrong once, and that was when, when he scudded the ball past the post against Borussia, or mentioned Glad back away, yeah. And Brendan Rogers had a word with him, probably said to him, "You should have passed that into the net." And every other goal he scored since then, mm-hmm. he stroked it with conviction, or he's hammered it, knowing fine well what's to, you know but he snatched yeah. the one in, in Germany and he learnt. And I thought to myself, do you know what, that's a player that's listened and learned because in those situations he ended up becoming very, very clinical. So something's happened this season and it's affected Callum McGregor, but he is, as Jim said and I've said, I think he's still a fantastically gifted footballer and I, and I don't want to see him leave. I want to see him and Turnbull, possibly Sorrow and A and others that the new manager will bring in you know, form the basis of our midfield because I think that's quite strong mm-hmm. looking to the future. I
2: think that's a Laura, fair point. Yeah, sorry Jim, on you go.
3: Okay. <clears throat> I mean there's been so many bad decisions made this year, but one of the biggest ones is the squad management. We had nearly thirty first team players. Thirty first team players, but we kept playing the same guys game after game. And then you wonder why they're burnt out. Yeah. You know, so squad management was really, really poor. Squad rotation, whatever. So to do that, you need some sort of plan. Can't you just throw that together? With players, mm-hmm. go in the park do what you can. And that seemed to be what was happening this year. They must have planned that out. I mean, other people have mentioned it. Bringing some of the young guys through, there had to be a plan for that. So you have to plan these things. It's not like the old days. You know, pick the best 11, go in the park, we'll play 60 games a season and we'll see how it goes. It's a bit more sophisticated than that these days. But if a first-team squad of 30 players... There should be no need to, to overplay players, you know?
2: Yeah. Anyway, that's me. I, I, I would I would agree with that. I think uh, I think Scott Brown's season has been a symptom of mismanagement. Uh, Callum McGregor's has been a knock-on of mismanagement in that case. We've all seen what happened with the goalkeeper situation. Somehow Neil Lennon, before he left, managed to uh, shoot the confidence of, of three goalkeepers in one. Um, so, the, you know, it's, it's symptomatic all over the all over the squad and it's certainly not helped us put anything together in terms of um a consistent run. Um speaking of which, um I don't know if you guys saw it or if anybody watching saw it, um, but I, I noticed uh, uh, yesterday, I think it was Hamish over on sixty seven, Hill Hale picked up on that Scott Brown had issued an apology to the Celtic supporters. Now you know, I think we I think we've all had enough apologies over the season. We'd rather they just did things right than apologise for it after. But it, it did say a lot to me in that uh, Scott Brown said something along the lines of that he apologised for the performance because this was supposed to be our showcase season. Now, I was quite surprised by it, and Jim, I'll come to you first, because what has been coming out of the club, certainly from a higher level than the players anyway, has been that we are all overreacting, that we are all a bit entitled, that we are all um, not appreciating what's gone before. This was the first hint that I saw that the players at least were exactly aware of what was on their shoulders this season and, you know, acknowledged that they hadn't lived up to it in this season of all seasons. Um, Jim, first of all, did you see it? What did you make of the wording of it or what do you make of it hearing it now?
3: Yeah, I never saw it, uh, but <clears throat> I think it's really difficult for any of the players or the managers to say anything about this season. I don't think they can be <clears throat> honest. Because it's, because it's still actually happening. I mean, there must have been so much turmoil going on behind the scenes. I don't think they can say very much. I think it's different when they retire and they look back on it. And I, I enjoy listening to ex-football players talking about what they did when they played football. I don't particularly enjoy listening to football players or managers when they're still in yeah. it, because I think there's a, a limit to what they can say and Mr. Haggerty will know that better than me working in the media. So they're going to do the right things, and some of it will be scripted and whatever. So you couldn't really expect Scott Brown to say any more. That he's really sorry for how things went. And I think I said last week when we talked about the team that should play last Sunday. It should have been players you know who knew it meant something, and Scott Brown would have been one of those players. You know, mm-hmm. and Griffiths and all these kind of guys. So I don't pay very much attention to what players and managers say in the here and now. Uh I think as uh, Tony said before, there's gonna be a number of books written about this season in terms of what happened and, and hopefully we, we get to know the real story. And uh, I think Tony you said that the man who sold the ten, that's just the man who sold the ten, I know who's in the front cover of that book.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, Tony? I just like the rhyming thing with that, Jim, you know. So the... <laughs> But listen, yeah. Scott Brown's words uh, yeah. Whatever, it's empty rhetoric. You know? Mm-hmm. The you there is as I said on Monday, there is nothing that anyone from Celtic can say that will soothe or comfort any of the Celtic fans. They all they wanted was for Celtic this season to do their talking on the pitch when it mattered, And mm-hmm. they failed abysmally. Mm-hmm. They they were struck dumb. If you want to keep the talking metaphor going. You know, they just, for whatever reason, and as Jim says, and I've said, it will take years, but it it will eventually come out or someone will speak about it and and they'll open up that wound again and it'll be painful and it'll hurt. But that's the only time when the Celtic supporters might get some succor and comfort from it because they might be able to finally get a grip and understand how this season fell by the wayside as quickly as it did. Yeah. So Jim's coming out and saying, I'm sorry. We, we know you're sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's nobody more sorry than, than the fans. You know what I mean? But, you know, as, coming, as an exercise, as a captain, I guess it's your duty to try and appease people and say something. But sometimes I better just say nothing. Because, it's, it's, <laughs> Jim, the season's still going on. And it's went in there and out there where a lot of the Celtic supporters, you know, because they couldn't they care less. Because they just feel so let down by a collective from those at the top, the management and the players. So say nothing, just lick your wounds in, and move on and let the, the new regime come in and let the rebuild happen until such times when, uh, in years to come when these the man who sold the 10, the men who sold the 10 or, it has been written that people can finally get to know a version of the, the truth of the real story.
3: Yeah. Yeah, also, last I, I, Sunday must have been the final nail in, in, in Scott Brown. In, in terms of, uh, he must have. Been, I mean, he took off and he took off last Sunday, and he's sitting in the stand watching a shambles, you mm-hmm. know. And he's been used to success every single year, nine in a row. We're going for ten, and, and then if you put yourself in his shoes, it must have been just a complete disaster. And he must have been so so looking forward to this season immortality, yeah. 10 in a row, and, and over the last few months, people are saying, oh, get rid of him, and all this kind of stuff, and it's all been really, really negative, and, and it's, it's such a shame for him, such a shame mm-hmm. for him. I,
2: I do agree with what both of you are saying, in terms of in general points, about footballers, you know, having to speak in media-trained, uh, sort of quotes, and things like that, and very often issue cliches, I just thought it was particularly interesting, with that quote, that he said, this was supposed to be a showcase season, you know, it, it there was never any indication from the club when things started going wrong that they were aware of how important this particular season was to me. Anyway, and I just thought it was quite interesting because it was him stepping slightly out with the boundaries of of what the club had been saying for the rest of the season. If it's um, a showcase
1: season, Laura, you prepare then for a yeah. shocking season, right? Yeah. You prepare for that, and again, I guess. As you see, reading into that, then it's maybe a wee done at those above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dot dot dot. This was supposed to be a showcase season, and I've ended up, you know, leaving the club a loser. Not not the exit that I wanted, and maybe a wee kind of shot over the bow to them to say, you failed to prepare. Not not me or the players. are shut you guys because you never armed the manager with the backroom staff or armed the manager with the players. That were capable of winning the
3: ten. So mm-hmm. also, I think if you if you are go, go no go Jim go. No, I was going to go. say that if you are Scott Brown and you go back to the start of the season and you're visualising the end of the season, and you've won ten in a row and you're immortal, you're legendary. You know, no one's ever going to do that again. And you are Scott Brown. You're the guy that's done it, and you're the captain. You know, so, you know, we must be thinking this will be the greatest ever thing ever, yeah. and that's been just taken away. And it is kind of death by a thousand cuts because as every week went on this season, something else happened They made it more and more difficult and more and more difficult. And they must have saw that just fading away, you know, week mm. by week by week by week. And then last week he gets taken off and we get, and we get hammered 4-1 by a team that three years ago we were hammering 5-1s you know, and 5-0s. It's been such a,
2: such a turnaround for him. Yeah, I think it. I think we've we've touched on it before, but it, it just shows you what what can happen when, as is the case, the team across the city um, have a a sort of aim that they are all fighting for. They're all in the same boat. You know, they they do have some very good players. I've said that I've said before that I like Barisic, I like um, Kamara, I like uh, Aribo. I think they're all great players, but. You know, the rest are, are, you know, of an average level, but have been pulled up by this idea of what they were searching for and what they were looking for. And I think that was something that, that we had as well. You know, not everybody throughout the, the quadruple treble seasons, not every player we had was an outstanding player, but they were pulled up to a certain level, um, by, by the, the way in which they were coached, um, very much the same way as the players have been pulled down to a certain level by the way they've, they've not been coached this season. So I, I think it's as much about the team collective as anything. And I think it's something that's been missing for us this season. Um, Jim, it wasn't something that I thought we were going to talk about today, but just because you highlighted it before, um, about Callum McGregor not seeming captain material. Now we've, we've all talked about the fact that there doesn't seem to be anybody obvious who's going to take over the captain's role, but Just as a part of a wider discussion, I've been sitting thinking and I wondered what your thoughts were on it. Do you think in the modern game the captain's role is still an important one? Do you think it's something that we need to try and get right when Scott Brown leaves or do you think it's a kind of outdated idea?
3: Before I answer that, I've just touched on the last point there. I think when you're winning games, you've got a cause to play for Mm -hmm. and you're all trying to achieve that cause. See, when you start to lose your way a wee bit, it becomes really difficult. And I think yep. they that once they've got themselves in front this season they had a cause to hang on to. And you get into all these kind of wartime metaphors, they're in the trenches, they put their bodies in the line and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's what happens. We've not been there this season, so I don't think other players have reacted that way. To answer the question about the captain, I think very much so, it's important. I think uh, my big concern uh, if you go back through Celtics you know, history in the last fifty, sixty years, uh, we're gonna have to have a quick, quick, quick a number of new players coming in. How many? Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight, nine. Who knows? Who's the person you go and see when you walk in the door? You go and see the captain. Now, I don't mean like to tell you it's going to be rainy and Inverness and it's Tuesday night, but they tell you the kind of real stuff that really, really matters. And I think if you played for Celtic in the sixties and seventies, you walk through the door and Billy Hill starts talking to you straight away. Bang, you're part of the club. Roy Aitken, uh, Tom Boyd, Scott Brown. I think these these guys get it. And I think the chances are we're going to get a new captain who's not a current member of the Celtic team. So he won't get it straight away. So, so I think that's an issue uh, straight away. Uh, you look to your captain for inspiration. Uh, I mean, There's a comment during the week with Charlie you saying that you know, Scotland's not a legend. He's not the greatest player that ever played for Celtic, but he's one of the best captains. You know, If you were to, but to compare him, contrast other captains we've had he's, he's a far better captain than some like Paul McStay see nowhere near as good a player as mm. Paul McStay but I think when you're looking at captains you're looking at the attributes of a captain things like leadership and stuff like that you know and I think Scott Brown has that I don't really see anyone who has that people mention Julian but I, I think he's a bit of a drama queen Joe throws his hands up in there when, when things happen and blames people and whatnot, you know. So, I could understand why they might go for Joe, but he's going to be out the end of mm-hmm. the year, apparently. Uh, Ayer, obviously, is the guy we've talked about, but that second goal last week, mate, gets you thinking, you put your head in front of the ball, son. If you're not willing to do that, maybe he's not captain material. So, I don't see that sort of natural bond with those leadership attributes. And as I said earlier, I'm not bored if it's not Callum McGregor, because just like Callum constituting his game and in fact I mentioned Paul McStay I think the captain affected Paul, McStay. Mm-hmm. Paul McStay played his game rather than the burden, or give him the burden for the whole club you know so I think I think the captain is important I think he's one of the kind of figureheads of the club he should be the figurehead of the club. it shouldn't be the manager and it certainly shouldn't be the chief executive he should be the focal point of the club so you want somebody who's got those kind of leadership qualities who can speak well who understands the club who understands the fans Actually, understands mm-hmm. the fans. So that's a bit of a concern with me that we don't actually have somebody currently then. And if an Eddie How comes, then I, mean, I think he'll bring somebody with him. Yeah. Uh, maybe he sent centre back, possibly. But with, with, with those kind of leadership qualities to get people going when it's, you know, you're 1 0 down and you've got 10 minutes to go and he's rallying the troops, you know, that didn't happen this season. Nothing happened this season. You know, there's so many games well, Jim- this season where we needed some leadership, some inspiration.
2: Yeah, ju- just to pick up on what you've said there, um, Brendan Rodgers did it with Colo Touré. Okay, he wasn't a captain, but he brought somebody in who understood these ideas. He knew could integrate with the squad. Um, became a popular figure in the dressing room, and that certainly worked. But before Tony, before I get your thoughts on it, I'd just like to say mm. in defence of Scott uh, of, of Paul McStay, <laughs> I I think obviously we all agree. Um, much better player than Scott Brown. But I think you would be talking about a very different captain in Scott Brown if he had had to deal with all of the issues that were happening off the park at the club, um, that, that Paul McStay had to deal with. You know, that, that's one of my kind of issues with the way Scott Brown is lauded is that I still believe to some extent that he has never shown himself in the best light when he's back's been up against the wall. You know, he, he's very, He's very effective and, a, and a, a, a cult icon or an icon with the Celtic fans when he puts in a hard tackle and gets up and saunters about when we're 3-0 up in a game or whatever. I, I do believe that, you know, we would be talking about. You know, I don't know he would have had the temperament to deal with things at the club the way Paul McStay did as a captain, but that's that's just my personal opinion. Um, Tony, what are your thoughts on on what Jim said there and and, and the, the idea of a captain in general? Is it an outdated idea? Something we still need? What do you think? No, no,
1: at all. I, I think the quadruple trebles no a bad legacy, Laura. You know what I mean? If you're talking about Scott Brown, you know what I mean. So I uh, and he was a beaten heart at that Celtic team for a long time. And i would go as far as to say he was probably the beating heart of Scottish football for a while as well. So I'm not saying you're doing him a disservice, but, you know, I, and I get that you can't touch the maestro in your eyes. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? so yeah, I think every Celtic supporter loves Paul McStay as well. So, uh, but I think a lot of Celtic supporters will retain a lot of affection for Scott Brown for what he achieved because he was an achiever. And I think they're sad that, as, as he said himself, that the showcase season ended the way it did.
2: Mm-hmm. So I
1: think there's a bit of, you know, sadness attached to Scott Brown, but I disagree completely with Charlie Nick saying he's not a legend. He's oh, a yeah, legend.
2: 100%. He won, yeah. He, yeah.
1: He'll throw him four times the medals that Charlie won, so <laughs> there you go. Right. And I love Charlie too. You know my thoughts on Charlie, so, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the captain has, the captain has a pivotal role. You know, going back to your friend Paul McStay, Paul McStay talks about Roy Aitken, Winning the 1985 Scottish Cup final against Dundee United single-handedly, mm-hmm. it was still rotten till the last 15 minutes, and it was Big Roy that grabbed him by the bootlaces and you no, know, I think it was Big Roy that put in the cross for McGarvey's wonder header. That's a captain, a guy that you can turn to. Jim said all this in the trenches. You know, you turn it into a quest, which Rangers did this season. Mm-hmm. They turned this season into a quest. That siege mentality, and they threw the kitchen sink at it. Celtic underestimated that to their peril, and yeah. never matched it. Never matched that quest. Mm-hmm. Never matched that feeling. Because how you can feel that this is the most important season in a in a long, long time since possibly '67 or since '74 or '5 when they were going for it the first time is beyond me. But that's what Rangers did. They threw everything at it. And they might not have got the best players, but they function as a unit. They bought what the manager was selling. And by God, when they hit the front, they just charged on and thought about nothing else. Winning that title, that was it. It, was, it consumed their fibre and their being. Right down to their captain, Tavonir. People still slaughter him, whatever. But, you know, he's effective. He's a good player. You know what I mean? You can't deny that. But going back to captains, I mean, you, you the Celtic captain has to be some kind of, not, and I say colossus, but not in height or stature, but a colossus somebody who commands respect, reverence, knows what the club's about, and as Jim said, is the the kind of man of the people who knows the fans and gets it, you know? So we might have to recruit that person. Could be a concern, yeah. But, you know, they, they, they will know the job at hand the go-to guy, as Jim said, the one that comes in and greets the, the new signing and say, right, this is how it breaks down. It does rain in Inverness. It does <laughs> rain in on a Wednesday night, that kind of thing, right? Uh, but that's neither here nor there and it snows in the summer. But, uh, you know, so, but yeah, and just break it down to them. You know, I, you, you'd look at guys, and I, and I get back to Then barely got it really quickly. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the kind of. I'm not saying you're going to get the caliber, but that's the kind of player that you want. The attitude, that you know I mean. <laughs> when you walk into that dressing room, you think, "Wow, I've joined something special." You know, and so Musa got it. So that's what you want to to transmit to others. Lustig got it. Latterly, right? These guys just got it. You know, so anyone coming into that dressing room, the focal point or the first point of call, is the captain. So the captain has to get it first and foremost and then transmit that in the dressing room. And for some reason, it didn't happen this season. You know, and and it's tarnished. No, not tarnished, but I, 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 the words that Scott Brown has left the club a loser don't sit well with me, you know. Mm-hmm. And for all that he did in the quadruple treble, and I've said that he's a, and he's a club legend, and I people can argue to toss about his abilities as a footballer, He's a good footballer. i will not having anybody tell me that he's not a good footballer. Because you do not last yeah. that amount of time at a club and not be a good footballer. Right? Mm-hmm. Whether he, mm-hmm. he, he was unambitious to go elsewhere, but he played against the best that European football had to offer. He achieved his ambitions at Celtic. He earned loads of money. See when you're happy? That's hard to give up. He had yeah. 60,000 adoring people every other week, and he was happy. I, I
2: mean... I I think that's a criticism of him that I don't agree with as well. It's like, on the one hand, we say about other players that they shouldn't be looking to go elsewhere because playing at Celtic should be an honour, it should be the height of your career. And then in the same breath, other people are criticising Scott Brown for not showing the ambition to go elsewhere. So, you know, which way do you want it? (laughs) He
1: achieved every ambition at Celtic. He competed against the very, very best. Mm -hmm. He He might not have achieved that had he gone elsewhere, don't you? Down to England because his Jim probably said yeah. maybe not. I got a top six team or a, a team competing with at the top end of the of the table and getting into Europe on a regular basis. So there is no European football of his of Scott Brown's era that he hasn't played against. You know, personal happiness is a big thing in football. And yeah. you and I and Jim, Celtic is the be all and end all. It's not for other people who end up going elsewhere. But Scott Brown has shown you can be happy at Celtic. You can achieve. You mm-hmm. can win and be successful and pick your wits against the best and be happy.
3: That's the kind of players also that Also, the won. fact when you look back on it, the fact when he looks back on his career, he played over 600 games for Celtic, the vast majority of them is captain. He, uh, he's won over 20 trophies. Uh, he's had over 50 caps for his country. A lot of them, he'd have been captain as well. So, very, very, very few footballers can look mm-hmm. at that. bring yeah. Yeah. a top-class team <clears throat> it's probably different if you're playing for a team in the second or the third division who are legends as well I mean if you play on 300 games for Falkirk I'd imagine people would say you're a legendary Falkirk player you know some some teams you play 100 games or you you score a goal in a cup final you become a legend in fact I've got a story I just kind of thought of there is that uh, I wrote a play called Benelette Baxter about Scotland beating England 3-2 at Wembley and uh, there's a couple of iconic photographs at the end of the game And there's a guy with Dennis Law and two guys with Jim Baxter. And I thought it's part of the research that I was going to try and find the fans. And I found the guy with Dennis Law. And he lives in your neck of the woods, Tony. So I went to see him. To (laughs) ask him what happened at Wembley, etc. So it turned out the guy played for 3rd Lanark in the 50s. Oh, wow. And in in 1956, he played in a a Glasgow Cup. It wasn't the Glasgow Cup. It was less than that Glasgow Cup. right? (laughs) So... Sir Lanark won this Glasgow Cup no as good as the other Glasgow Cup they beat Thistle <laughs> in the final 4-2 they beat Rangers in the quarter final on the toss of a coin Right for, for the younger listeners he toss of a coin so you say, yep. won a game before penalty kicks they beat Celtic <laughs> in the semi-final on the toss of a coin and they beat <laughs> Thistle 4-2 in the final and this guy scored the second goal and get injured and stretchered off Right, so I come away thinking I must find out more about this guy Right. So I Google it, and the first three things I see are 3rd Lanark Legends Knights. And this guy's mentioned in these 3rd Legends Nights. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I've been talking to a 3rd Lanark legend here. I then Google again, I'm trying to find out some information about 3rd Lanark, and I finally <laughs> find one of these things where it's got all the appearances uh, for the 3rd Lanark players. And the guy I was speaking to, the guy who was at the 3rd Legends Knights, had played two games for 3rd Lanark. <laughs> right, two games... <laughs> <laughs> and he scored in the Glasgow Cup final, which is not as good as the other Glasgow Cup final. For that, he is a legend. Two games, one goal. So if you classify that guy as a legend, over 600 games for Celtic, over 20 trophies, over 50 cats for your country, for maybe he's a legend. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Listen,
2: yeah. I don't think anybody can deny You know, there's, there's plenty of debate about Scott Brown as a player, Scott Brown's temperament, this, that, the next thing. There's, there's divide in the chat that I can see. One thing I'm sure we can all agree on, um, as Jim said, as Tony said, and as I agree, Charlie Nicholas is wrong on this occasion. Scott Brown is a Celtic legend. He's He's a legend of Scottish football. If you talk about the last decade, if you talk about the 2010s, one of the first names that will come to mind will be Scott Brown. So, you know, whatever Charlie Nicholas is using to measure it, I don't know, but, um, but he's certainly wrong in that case. Um, looking ahead, Tony, we, we talked about, you know, some of the other things that we were going to talk about in today's show. And one of the things we wanted to touch on is something that, that other guys on the pod have, have talked about in the week previous. Looking at where the next legend is going to come from, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and with the, and with, the situation with COVID, with the situation with Brexit, there's there's an acceptance on all levels that I think we're going to have to look at the domestic market a lot more closely. Um, do you have any ideas of anybody that you think might be a, a good addition to the squad or, or a way in which we can identify those players in the domestic game?
1: I was talking to Jim off camera before we came on live and, and, I, and you know, a phrase that really bugs me is this, he's not Celtic class. Celtic supporters yes. rail against elitism and that snobbery all their life, right? And then turn their nose if Celtic are linked with a player from Motherwell or Hibs or whatever. I kept hearing that about Declan Gallagher, right? Now, I've watched Declan Gallagher a lot. Declan Gallagher's Gallagher, Gallagher an accomplished mm-hmm. defender, right? And I, and I would go as far as to say Declan Gallagher's a better defender than Christopher Ayer. There you go. Yeah. Now, I await the backlash in that one. So, but just to clarify,
2: don't, you don't think Ayers going to be our next captain?
1: <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> he might be a captain, but it will not be for Glasgow <laughs> Celtic. Uh, right, so, and uh, people will say, what are you talking about? But I, I get yeah. that. But so, I think that any young player or any player who is making waves at a Scottish football club, she's a general rule of thumb, that should be a person of interest to Celtic. Yep. Whether you sign them or not, you should be scouting them and going to watch them and then saying, by the way, worth a punt. You know what I mean? Because they will be better value than some of the experiments that have been foisted upon managers in mm-hmm. the past few years and you won't have to pay a lot of money. Now, off the top of my head, Lewis Ferguson's a person of interest to in me. Josh Doig at Hibbs is a person of interest to in me. Kevin Nisbet at Hibbs is a person of interest to in me. Martin Boyle at Hibbs is a person of interest to in me. Right? No, or they are no Celtic class punters are going to go off their nut but if you're looking if that's your market these are players of interest or they should yep. be in Celtic right and you won't have to outlay a lot of money and then you say for, for every one of them there's a David Fernandez, there's a Momo Silla and a an Ulrich Larson I get that right but you give these guys that stage and you bring in better more experienced players around them give them a chance Tumble, you talk about the future of the club. Tumble's up there, then, is the future of the club. Alan Campbell at Motherwell as well, another (coughs) of interest or a player of interest. Celtic should be looking at these guys if they aren't doing so already. See, if they're not doing it already, I'll do it for them. You know what I mean? I
2: I tell you, another one who's impressed me that I'd never really thought about is his name. I can't remember his first name, but James Forrest's brother at Livingston. Is a um, decent wee player, yeah. Um, Alan Forrest. Um I think he's I think he's pretty decent as well. But it, it's an interesting point that you make about the Hibs team and Jim, I'll come to you on this. You know, we're talking about are, are people are writing off these Hib players, Doig, Boyle, Nisbet, um Ryan Porteous is another one who who who's of a decent standard. I don't really understand how people can be writing off players of this this caliber when you look at the Hibs team of you know, 10, 15 years ago that had Scott Brown, Stephen Whittaker, um Kevin Thompson, you know those players went on to prove themselves of, a, of an appropriate level to play for, for either Rangers or Celtic. So, so surely there's players in the current game that can do that as well, do you not think? I think
3: maybe the phrase Celtic class isn't getting used as much as it used to mm. back in the day, I think. And, uh, and if you classify, I mean, I think also you tend to look, fans would tend to look at people that they know so it's people who are playing in Scotland or England mm. whereas the foreigners get a bit of a free pass on this because if the definition of Celtic class is somebody who could walk into the first team who's an experienced player maybe an international player, maybe played in Europe, then five of the six guys that come in this season were Celtic class, you know they were all Celtic class then because you know they've all played in Europe, they've all played at a high level and the sixth player was the kind of, next big thing in Scottish football so I think we've Signed players of Celtic class. I'm going to go all Celtic down on you here. That (laughs) once upon a time, uh, Celtic and other top clubs in Scotland would buy players from the lower leagues in Scotland. And I was thinking about that as you were were speaking there. And two of the best ever signings, I would imagine, were Murdo McLeod and Davy Yeah, back in 78. And they were playing for Martin Martin. Well, I think point I was going to make is I think both of those teams were in the league below when we signed them yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. and they went on to be like fantastic players for so there must be good players out there and the thing that I've, I've, I've banged on before this season was the signing of John Joe Kenny I think you could pick any player no, not any player you could pick one or two players in the championship who would be just as good yeah. if not better than John Joe Kenny and people are talking about, well, it would cost 7 million and 15 grand a week. And you think, well, what planet are you on? You know, so there must be players. And it's all about scouting. It's all yeah. about recruitment. It's all about knowing who these guys are and getting in there quick. Because I, I do believe, and I've said this before in the podcast, who's someone who's involved in, in, in kids' football for the best part of 20 years, there's, there's tons of kids out there that are very, very talented. We just need to get, you know, identifying
1: Jason Kerrick get... St. St Johnson's another person of interest or he should be to Celtic.
3: I mean I think St Johnson have got a number of players. Uh, well. so I think the players are there. And I think just to echo what Tony said earlier, I don't think there's anything as Celtic class. I think that's kinda of maybe a, a kinda of an old an old kind of fashion phrase that's going kind to of hopefully die out because it is a bit elitist you don't want to say that you want to buy there's, there's only two types of signings good and bad and you can only really tell that after a while you can't tell when they yeah. walk in the door again Shane Duffy was a fantastic signing and then a few months later no he wasn't you know <laughs> see you can really tell until you go a few months later and we've seen guys in the past I mean I can think of people like uh, Paul Hartley or Scott McDonald or Barry Robson. People like that who you thought, "Mm, Barry Robson, I absolutely. Um, And if you go back even further, you know, even further to the Murdo days with people like Johnny Doyle coming from air. You know, so I think the players are there and you only really know if they're good players. Plus, what the big disappointment this season was that even if we'd signed some of these kind of players last season, they wouldn't have got a game. And one of the guys who's doing quite well just now, albeit at Queen's Park, is Luke O'Connell. I think we all said on this podcast, okay, it was only 45 minutes against Hibs before the season started. But player, you know, but never get a chance he was one of the 30, one of the 30 would never get a chance, so I've got no issues with Queen's Scotland
1: I would expect Luca Connell to be doing well at Queen's Park, but to be fair you know so um, that's basically I I mean it's just all about how you how your scouting system works and how you're going to use the Scottish market because the players are there you know, I'm gonna you I'm know. gonna put
2: a wee word in for David Hanna here. He wasn't he wasn't by any means the best player I've ever seen, but he was he was solid enough.
1: That's enough, Flora. That's enough wee words about David Hanna. <laughs> I would echo Tony's <laughs>
3: echo Tony's
1: sentiments <laughs> that's too, that's too entirely. <laughs> you know, no, no,
3: to no disrespect to David Hanna. But, no disrespect to David Hanna, but he 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 played his part. Because this Sunday is Bratback back day, so uh, he he biggest
2: <laughs> his part. Nice. And, yeah, I, I mean, I I, to- I totally agree. But and to pick up on what Jim said, you know, I, the the major frustration for me with the whole thing is when you look at that um, uh, that famous photo that's been doing the rounds again this week of the signings that we made uh, last. Well, I say last summer. It was October. By the time the the transfer window closed, with everything that's going on. Are you telling me that Connor Hazard couldn't have been coached to be anywhere near as good a keeper as Barkas, given what we've seen? And they would have been cheaper than 5 million. Are you telling me we don't have at least one player, uh, striker wise in the youth setup that could have been coached to, to be more effective than Clamala turned out to be for 3.5 million? So that's. Eight and a half million pounds before you even touch anybody else. You know, it's not just about going and, and picking the picking the best of the crop from other clubs in the country. It's about looking at what we've got and seeing surely there must be something else that works from within the system because, you know, that's that's not doing us any favours either. Um but uh I, I, I'm I'm in agreement. I don't think uh, I don't think I think Lewis Ferguson is dividing opinion, but I would rather see him with us than not, potentially. Um, I think there's a lot of of good players out there that that, that could do a job for us. Um, Just finally, before we go, and Tony, I'll come to you on this. We are sitting, as the the card says, the title card says, there's an ongoing silence, 74 days to go until our Champions League qualifier games. Two things I wanted to touch on this. I I saw people um, discussing earlier this week about whether Dominic Mackay should have come out and said anything by now to the fans. My my personal opinion is is the guy's in a bit of an awkward position. He's not officially officially in the job yet. And I think it would be a bit weird for him to come out and say, That guy's been doing it wrong, I'm gonna do it this way. What what do you think of people's, you know, clamouring for him to come out and say something at the moment?
1: What if he's got nothing to say? Well Well, hello? I'm Dominic McKay. (laughs) Would that that appease the fans? I've seen us the other week, say something, say day something. Yeah, I know, I mean, I'm Dominic McKay. Only for us to turn around and say, can you believe
2: believe they said that?
1: (laughs) And welcome to Celtic Anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your
3: captain?
1: Who's your captain? You know, so it's like, you know, unless... I think Dominic Mackay's first thing that he has to do or, or certainly be involved in is the unveiling of the new manager. Whoever that may be. Uh, hopefully it's Eddie Howe who like to well, you know, I want him to be part of that and get that Celtic good good vibe, that positive vibe. I don't want him to come out and make a bland statement and people will just pick holes in the statement. I mean, yeah. he, picked, he picked holes in what he was wearing the day he turned up at he got a blue suit and a blue tie and a blue car and brown brogues You're like, you know, seriously, is, is this is this where it's come down to anyway? you? know, you're just like, calm down. Right, just, I know it's been a terrible season, but you're now lashing out to everything and anything for the sake of it. You know, so I want Dominic Mackay to be standing there and to be as proud as punch to say, ladies and gentlemen, your Celtic manager is whoever that man may be, and feel that vibe and feel the get the feel good factor from that. Whenever that announcement is, is what's worrying Celtic supporters. But it's in the pipeline. It's coming because it has to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can't have a manager. So you know, so I, I watch. That's when I want I would, to hear yeah. going. I, yeah. you
3: know. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would I think, certainly echo Tony's comments. That sorry. Is it me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it me? No, I can't hear. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, I would certainly echo Tony's comments. I would certainly echo Tony's comments. If there's nothing to say, then don't say anything. But what, what he could actually say is, we're we'll not going to Dubai next year, because that would get people on his side <laughs> straight away.
2: <laughs> well, I, th- I think that's as good a, a way as any to, to sign off, so... Thanks everybody for for watching, uh, for all the comments that have been coming through on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. We appreciate it as always. If you haven't done so, please subscribe below um, and turn on notifications. You'll get notifications whenever we go live every day for the Bulletin at 12.30 or for one of the myriad other shows that we have on the platform. Um, An ever-growing list of shows that's uh, coming to the platform. A plethora, Jim, (laughs) that was the word I was looking for. Um, but thanks again, everybody. Uh, we will see you as usual on Monday for the for the next bulletin. And this has been a Celtic state of mind.